1: Welcome back to the View from the Bridge podcast, Football.London's Chelsea podcast. Very glad to say we have got another brilliant guest to break down the latest Chelsea signing. This time it is around Nicholas Jackson, signed from Villarreal this summer in what is a bit of a surprise move for a player, not many Chelsea fans I am sure know a lot about so in this podcast we hope to break some of that down his strengths his weaknesses how he could fit in at stanford bridge and i'm glad to say i have been joined by journalists involved with a la liga podcast jonas Ieva. how you doing mate welcome back well i say welcome back sorry I, I did sort of make an error there just to clarify for the listeners we have collabs before and we have spoken before about another young striker David datra Fafana. So just to clarify that, as why I'm saying welcome back because we have previously spoken about a Chelsea striker signing.
0: No, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's a fun one considering the fact that uh, I'm now being used in my La Liga capacity and back then I was used in my Norwegian capacity. So I'm, uh, I'm turning into a jack of all trades and probably a master of none. But uh, yeah, happy to be on and happy to uh, be able to perhaps give some insight into Nicholas Jackson. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's definitely good to be versatile. Play as a DM, play left-back, <laughs> play right-back. You know, a Cesar Laqueta of podcast guests. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, hopefully I'll be raising a Champions League trophy at, at some point during my career as well. I'll be hopefully, happy with
1: that. Hopefully. um, I think with Jackson, it's, you know, I, like a lot of people, I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless you are a Villarreal fan, unless you are a La Liga regular in terms of watching the games... Nicholas Jackson is not a name that came up. I mean, I know that the the information around young players is a lot more accessible now with some of the, the places I follow, like scouted football and other resources. You do get a sense sometimes, breaking the lines does a lot of this great stuff that you can sometimes pick up players that you know are not kind of the obvious ones a lot more. But Jackson has really gone under the radar, at least for me, from my point of view and why it was a surprise that Chelsea went in for him. How much of a a leap of faith is this for Chelsea and a gamble to to go on someone with such little notoriety at this stage of their career?
0: That's a good question. Uh, I'd also like to add, you know, as uh, scouted and breaking the lines and such, uh, total football analysis is another one that I'd just like to add just for those who'd like to to learn about because I think those people do tremendous work and uh, they deserve to be shouted out. Um, no, I think it's a leap of faith in, in, in the fact that he hasn't really been nurtured into anything yet, which is both a positive and a negative because we. I know one of the things when you asked me to do this, one of the things that I had to think about is, what is his actual position on on the pitch? And I'm not quite sure. And I don't think anyone is quite sure yet exactly what he is because obviously he could be a winger, he could be a striker, he could be a second striker. Uh, it could be someone who comes in from a number eight position, you know, a, a super offensive number eight, um, which is a fallacy in one way because obviously Chelsea would like to have a player that they can, you know, ready make and score all the goals. And obviously they're, they're lacking that true number nine, that striker. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure if that is Jackson, though, again, we don't really know because he hasn't really been nurtured into anything yet. So um, as was the case with, with Fafana, who was more of a, you know, closer to being a clear number nine, I think that with Jackson, it's it's still up for determination. And I think that's perhaps um, the lure of him to a lot of people, because you can kind of make him into what you want him to be at this stage. What you do know is that the ceiling is sky high, if there even is a ceiling there for him. Um, and, and I think that considering the fact that he had such a tremendous end to the season at, at Villarreal, I think that uh, as my computer launches here in the back, uh, um, I think that they uh, I, th- I think any any manager, any any well-rounded manager, will look upon him as as a diamond in the rough and, and someone that they can basically make into what they want him to be. And I think for a manager like Pochettino, who we know is able to, uh, I suppose, mold players into certain roles and able to give them more freedom and and leniency within very rigid systems, I think that uh, the, the transfer for Jackson to to Chelsea is is intriguing. Um, and I and as I posted on Twitter, I mean, I tweeted as soon as it was official. I said that this has the potential to be the signing of the summer, and I and I do think that it has. And at the same time, to cover all bases, of course, uh, I think that he, he could also be absolutely horrific. I don't think he's one of those that will be like nah. I think he'll either be sensational, or I think that he'll be viewed as. Remember when we signed Nicholas Jackson and nothing happened? Um, I think I think that he'll be one of the two. But but I I really find it intriguing. And um, as someone who watched pretty much every single one of his matches last season, um, I, I'm really going to be watching out for him at, at Chelsea because I think this could be something special.
1: So there is that kind of part to him, as I've I've read about and kind of spoken about throughout his development so far, that he is a wide player that has uh, kind of progressed into maybe more of a central role. I mean, what is kind of the key attribute? that really sticks out to you that has really made well, Chelsea pay a lot of money but also people kind of stand up and kind of go actually this could be a, a very special talent in the making
0: Spatial awareness uh, extremely good at, at picking out spaces in between defenders and this is sort of Uh, what I think he was afforded under uh, Kiki Setien, who was the manager who replaced Unai Emery when he went to to Aston Villa. And and a lot of people remember Kike Setien for his horrific run at at Barcelona, where he didn't really get anything to work. Given that that was a situation of chaos at Barcelona, he has been given more freedom, I suppose, in Villarreal, even though it started off pretty horrible for him. Um, But what what he's been good at is giving a lot of freedom to his attackers. He plays usually a 4-3-3 system, And those three up front, at times, none of them are a a true number nine. I mean, they've had Samuel Chukwese, who has been linked with a move to Milan. You've had uh, Jeremy Pino, who, you know, destined for a big move, I think, next summer. And then you've had Nicholas Jackson. And whenever he's been fit, they've also had Gerald Moreno, who is obviously a Spain international, who's been perhaps more of a true number nine uh, whenever he's played. But, But what I think has been... Sort of beneficial for for Jackson's case and kind of been you know sort of his blessing is the fact that there hasn't really been any rigid system around him offensively uh, after Kikis at the end came in and that is sort of what I think has really made him stand out because when he's given freedom to do whatever he kind of feel and and whatever he pleases he he stands out he he is absolutely fantastic and and I go back to spatial awareness in that he kind of views. Certain pattern seemingly in the defenders, and he kind of sets himself where he thinks he can exploit a weakness. So he's very good at finding the space in between defenders, and if there is no space in between defenders, he's extremely good at, at you know coming a little bit deeper, laying off, trying to combine, um, and being being pretty quick uh, in in terms of finishing. Uh, and, and for some odd reason during the season, he, he started off being pretty hit and miss in terms of finishing but towards the end of the season and and I, I speak a lot with with a, a gentleman named Petravilan who was kind of viewed as the the oracle of Spanish football here in Norway he's seen every single match since the 2014 15 season i mean there's nothing that he doesn't know about Spanish football we were joking for the most part of our podcast we were joking towards the end of the season like this has to be the greatest player of all time i mean what the what what is going on here he he's He's absolutely unstoppable. Everything he does, he was like the King Midas of football. Everything he touched turned into gold. It was, it was and I know that he, he recorded a, a podcast of his own where he basically stated that there's times where you, last season, where you were thinking, how the hell did Lionel Messi manage to dress up with this guy? It was, it was, it was absolutely insane at times. So, And I think that that comes from his spatial awareness and understanding of how to exploit weaknesses in, in defenders and being the freedom or given the freedom to do so. So I, I think that a lot of this has come from also his manager's confidence in him. So um, and I do also believe that there's a sense of I, I think determination is, is something that we should also you know, use as a as a as a term here because he when he came back from the failed transfer to Bournemouth, he was obviously injured. But after that, he didn't look back. I mean he he did not look back after that after that failed transfer. So um, I think I think he's a determined individual in terms of wanting to really grasp the chance that he's given. And obviously, I don't think that there's a lot of clubs that will give you a bigger chance in world football than Chelsea. And obviously, considering the fact that Chelsea is a team that is in desperate need of goals and in desperate need of someone to stand out for him, I think that there is a stage there for, for Jackson to grab uh, if he's able to develop. But it, it's going to take a bit of time because obviously... At the start of last season, very few people really knew who he was. Um, and if I can take this back even further, I, I, I have a someone that I know that works in Norwegian football that a couple of years ago was scouting him. So it kind of goes to show um, he was never on anyone's big, big radar. If Norwegian clubs are looking at him, um, there's only once in a while where, where you find diamonds in the rough, one being... Uh, David Fofana, one being Gift, Orban who plays at Ghent, for example, those are, you know, standouts and, you know, exceptions to the rule. Um, Jackson was never really one of those players, so I'm sort of baffled by his incredible rise, but at the same time, we've seen him grow this season tremendously and that has a lot to do with the confidence he's been given. It
1: is To, to some Chelsea fans, and I can understand this, this, this thought process of a little bit of, of fear of, you know, especially the club investing a lot in kind of unproven young talents. But then there also is a theory that given the massive spend on, on Lukaku that didn't work out, the massive spend on a lot of kind of what you would consider proven or kind of glamorous names in recent years who haven't proven uh, effective... Is there a sense that maybe, especially under a coach like Pochettino, who has worked well with young players in the past, that for a a striker like Jackson, who you've already said can be moulded, there's still a lot for him to develop on. It actually maybe is a good time and a good place for him to come in because the expectations on Jackson from Chelsea fans, from what I've seen, is not sky high. No one expects him to come in and be the saviour.
0: No, but I think that else goes to show that Not a lot of the signings Chelsea have made have been successes. Let's be honest. I mean, a lot of the signings during the Todd Bowley era hasn't really been a lot to shout about. So I think he's coming into into a period of time which is absolutely fantastic for him. As well, he's coming into obviously the start of the season, I suppose, in a January transfer window where you're looking for someone to be that beacon of hope. So I think that he's he's chosen or chosen his moment perfectly to move. And, And I think that once Chelsea came came about and obviously with a manager who's, you know, known for at least molding players. I'm not saying he's a great developer of talent, but I'm saying he's at least good at finding spaces for, for players within systems. I think that that bodes well for, for Nicholas Jackson. So um, I think the move makes a lot more sense than a lot of people think. Um, and obviously, given that the potential is there, you're buying potential here. You got to remember that you're buying potential. You're not buying the ready article. So whatever you want him to be, if you want him to be Samuel Leto, you, you can form him to a Samuletto type. If you want him to be a DDA Jorgbo type, you can still form him into that. This is the beauty of it all. We don't quite know what he is yet. But what we do know, based upon what he has shown, is that he can be almost anything. This is, the, this is what I – when I view Jackson, when I view him playing, it's like he has a little bit of everything. He has a little bit of everything you want in a striker. And if you really hone in on one of those things, you can get someone who is – Apps or holding in on several of those things, you can get a pretty complete package in terms of a striker. So I think that it, I'm not saying that he's a surefire going to be a world-class player in by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm saying based upon the few things he's given you already, and also in terms of stats, what he's what he delivered at the end of last season, kind of showed you that there is something here. If you find the right manager, if you're patient with him, and if you also understand the fact that He's not the youngest player in the world. I mean, he is, I believe, 22, is he? 21, 22? So he is in a, in a more of a mature stage of his career or maturing, I should say, meaning that you don't have to learn him every trick of the trade and how the, the world of football works. He's already had heartbreak once, you know. He, he, one of his moves already failed. So he's, he, he comes in uh, to a club where I think he views his own aspirations as being sky high uh and i don't think that he's one that's going to you know knuckle down and be completely uh humbled and 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 in awe of of his surroundings despite the fact that that he hasn't been you know known that long in terms of first team football i think this is a guy that kind of is you know at the stage of his life that where he thinks that okay it's time to go to work i don't i don't have all the time in the world so i think the transfer is is really really exciting and i think it's more so exciting for a club that's in a changing face, as uh, as Chelsea are, so I, I I'm um, I'm pretty pro this move. And, I, and when I saw it, kind of when the rumors started, you know, we all knew he was leaving anyways. But when the rumors were Chelsea, I was like, okay, that that it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, or it makes more sense than, than people think, especially considering the fact Chelsea are are changing their manager, so and changing to a manager that's at least shown patience with players in the past. I guess,
1: you know, moving on to to weaknesses, which you expect for, as I say, a raw player. And and one of those that I have heard brought up is, uh, from a striker point of view, airily Like, he isn't as dominant as maybe you would expect. I mean, you just said there in terms of, like, he could go in in any direction. And could you see that part of his game drastically improve? Or is he always going to be someone that maybe is going to rely more on that spatial awareness, on that speed, There may be a physical side um, from an aerial point of view that that he's clearly lacking in.
0: He hasn't necessarily played that much for a side that would focus more on on I suppose airspace if I can use that term. Um because obviously Kikis at the end's teams have been more so, you know, using the ball, kind of moving it around the pitch, obviously quick one-twos, you know, getting in and around. Uh, and playing the ball across the pitch more so than than in the air. So I, he's not necessarily been asked to do a lot about it. Even though when he has been asked to do it, he hasn't been convincing at all. Um, again, he has he has a frame that will that would tell you and that would obviously um, lend credence to the fact that he'd be very good in the air if if that's something that you could obviously uh, hone in on. And if he, if he's you know knuckles down and tries to learn that a little bit. I don't necessarily think that that's something that I'd focus too much on when it comes to ha- having him as a player. I think that the, the thing that I'd probably want more out of him is his, his ability to play with his back towards the opposing goal. Um, he's very good at it now, but I think that if he's able to kind of put on a little bit more weight and obviously – because he's he's very lanky. His, his frame is extremely lanky. So I think that if you're able to you know put some more meat on those bones and obviously if you want to try and play him more as a – uh, as a number nine, perhaps a second striker trying to link up the attack, uh, I think that you could have a very complete striker um, that could do a lot of different stuff. Um, then again, a complete striker would obviously be uh, good in the air as well. But but I, 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 I'm not sure if I that's what I'd focus on to begin with. I think that another thing that he probably needs to be a little bit better at is, is close control. I mean, he's, he's good at getting past players, but he's very herky-jerky. It's a lot of herky-jerky, you know, kind of getting – the weird part is he usually is successful at it, but at times you kind of sat there wondering, oh, that was a little bit of luck, wasn't it? So um, I think that uh, – I, I think he has a lot of stuff to, to learn, but I think it's, it's more refinement more so than having to create something completely new. Um, so, so I, again, I, I go back to the fact that I think that his, his potential and, and what he showed at least at, in the second end of the season Um, is something truly, truly interesting.
1: There also is, you know, competition there with... We're we're not quite sure what's going to happen with Datra Fafana yet. You know, will he go on loan? And uh, Armando Breuer is is returning from injury. And this is someone that excited Chelsea fans, not only on loan at Southampton, but also last season before that terrible injury. And I think there is going to be a battle on for those young players to really grab the the number nine shirt for Pochettino. I, I do just want to ask quickly, I mean... Chelsea fans are kind of assuming, and, and I think it's just based, <coughs> mainly based on Pochettino's previous work, he favours the 4-2-3-1 formation. It's, 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 yeah. a, it's a system he likes using. And the addition of Christopher Nkunku lends itself to maybe him playing centrally in the free behind a striker. And then you think maybe Nicholas Jackson could play as that central player. Do you think that maybe is good for a player like Jackson in a sense that Nkunku, because he is a much more refined player could maybe uh, help his game but also be relied on to finish chances maybe more consistently than, than a younger Jackson
0: perhaps but but I would think that remember he played with Chukwese who I'm obviously I think that Nkunku is uh, perhaps a couple levels above Chukwese but Chukwese is a player that really enjoyed moving in between that line I mean he he kind of his role was usually out on the right and Jackson was either as the number nine or out on the left, but they always roamed around. I mean, they always interchanged and interlinked. So I think that, I don't know, please do correct me, but if, if you think that perhaps Jackson will be on the left, and Kunku on, the, on in between or behind the striker, let's say Broya, and then you'd have maybe Mudrik, for example, playing on, on the right. If those three, if those three could interchange a little bit, that would be familiar for Jackson in a way, and that gives him that freedom to move around and obviously to be more effective in terms of not being bound to one position. Um, I, I do com- completely agree with you that that having uh, Nkunku play playing in his best position would be absolutely beneficial to Chelsea and, and would be something that I think Pochettino would would, would start out doing. Um, I'd also be, to be clear on I'd be very intrigued if you could play Jackson as a number nine or number 10 and then Kunku in the role behind your head and those two interchanging as well. That would be very interesting. And, and if you have two more, call it traditional uh, wide players and, and Mudrik on one side, and I don't know who would play on the other, but I think that having that sort of system would be very, very intriguing. So he gives you a lot of different uh, options in terms of who you'd alternate with in those positions. Uh, ahead of the two in midfield. So I, I think personally that uh, I would just wouldn't try and tie him down to one position. That's that's sort of, if I can, if me sitting here in, in my office here in Oslo could give one uh, suggestion to Pochettino, who probably knows a lot more about him than I do, don't tie him down to one position. Don't try and make him into one thing because it can be so many other things at the same time. So... Um, but I, I, would be very intrigued if they tried him out and uh, starting out as the number nine, perhaps with Nkunku behind him And then Nkunku kind of coming on runs in, be- in behind Jackson or the other way around or having Jackson play out, I'd say on the left and then have, you know, Broya as more of the more designated number nine and then have interchanging between the three in, in behind Broya and obviously having him as, as a link up player up front there. Uh. I'd I'd think that a player I'm I'm just gonna spitball here, but one player that I would love to have seen him play alongside with, obviously has been sold or left Chelsea now. But him and Giroud, if you'd had those two together, I'd I'd, I'd 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 pay I'd pay a season ticket to go see those two.
1: Yeah, Giroud. Um, the unfortunate thing is Chelsea really haven't replaced him, uh, which I I think is incredible to say, and it's not trying to disrespect Giroud. You know, Giroud was a brilliant, brilliant servant for Chelsea, one of our. More valuable signings in in the last in the last decade. I mean, there's just no way around it. He 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 was very effective, and I agree with you. It's um, I think that's the exciting thing is that as much as there is hesitation, obviously after last season for Chelsea fans and unknowns, but with the unpredictability, there also is a lot of opportunity and a lot of um, excitement over young potential that Pochettino has to work with. So that that is going to be interesting. I I know it's a difficult question to kind of finish on but yeah. i mean for a, for a first season uh for jackson and of course it, so many variables where does he play how is he used does he get injured all of that stuff how you adapt to a new culture a new country new league all of that stuff in terms of goals a goal return what would you say would be outstanding for him or just realistic for him, i, I mean, I'm—I'm not—I'm not kind of thinking. I think twenty would be just ridiculous, right? I—I'm I, not setting them that high for, for him. Just to, just say where like my expectations are coming from for Jackson.
0: You've got to remember, I'm from Norway, so obviously we're used to Erling Brad Holland over here. So we're basically going for uh, we're going for the high numbers. Uh, no, joking aside. Um, it depends. It depends on a, on a few factors, and 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 I do wonder if he, if he's is. Would you think he's viewed as a first choice? First and foremost, if I can ask a question back.
1: It's a difficult question to answer right now because we haven't seen any preseason friendlies. Um, yeah. So that's until that happens. But I would say yes, just purely based on the fact that he's a signing, a new signing, and they, they seem to get preferential treatment a lot of the time.
0: So let's say he starts 30 Premier League matches then. Let's just go say he starts 30 and you know, whatever. and Maybe some injuries, maybe some rotation, whatever. And then you're if you're basing it only on the Premier League, or you're basing it on, on on the cups as well.
1: Mainly Premier League, I'd say.
0: Okay, so they, he starts thirty Premier League fixtures, maybe subbed in for five of them or something along those lines. Um, I'd be disappointed if he doesn't hit double digits. I'll say that much. Um, if he goes and has a season where he has eight goals and five assists, I think that's a. a That's an okay season. Um, That's a decent one. Um, And then you'd obviously think that, okay, he has to, you know, uh, get a bit better the the year after all, depending on who they – well, I mean, if they have Broya, you say Broya scores 21 and he scores eight, I think that's tremendous. Um, I think that – I think if he hits 20, that's – that'd be sensational. That's, you know, utopic almost. Um, especially if given it, it's his first season in the Premier League. It's his first. And he hasn't really, remember, he hasn't really delivered over the course of a full season in La Liga either. So I, I would be pretty patient with him in terms of goal returns. But I'd say if he, if he for a season where I think, wow, that's a great first season, I'll go 12 goals uh, over the course of 35 appearances in the Premier League. And then perhaps five, five to seven assists. Um, if, you, if you can get 12 goals and five assists out of him that's a sensational first season for me for a player of, of that basically hasn't played a full or, or, or performed for a full season in any top flight or any top five league um, in Europe I, I'd say that'd be sensational regardless of who it is and especially considering the fact that he'll be competing for positions with a lot of really talented and good players at Chelsea and obviously with Chelsea we don't know I mean they could they they uh, they might sign someone that's that's the thing with chelsea they it's really unpredictable in terms of what they think and how they how they act you know Pochettino is coming in perhaps he has a player or two in his mind as well we, we never know so but given but if we're if we're looking at it from the lens of he'll play start 30 and sub in for five premier league matches eight goals or seven seven eight goals and four to six assists it's, that's okay but you have to de- you have to you know develop and be better next season if he gets 12 i think that that's a very good first season with seven assists and if he gets 20 as you as you alluded to there that'll be bah, that's almost that's almost you know hitting your peak a bit too early i think um but it depends well it depends you know Mkunku. Kunku i think for Kunku it's i think the expectations should be higher based upon the fact that he's he was a top scorer in the bundesliga and and, and so forth and and i also think that uh, in terms of how much you pay for a player, I think there's more to be asked about for a player like Mudrik, for example, and and I think Broya obviously has a if he's the one who's playing up front, I think he um, he, has, he has big shoes to fill uh, in terms of Chelsea strikers of past. If we try and forget about those who's been there recently, I think that I think Chelsea has always been a side, at least in my me growing up, I, I always looked at the Chelsea number nine, you know, going back to, you know, Tor Andre Flo who played there and Jogba, of course. There it it was always, you know, a lot of power, a lot of really, you know, extreme power at times and just being raw in everything you did. And then obviously they had this weird spell of strikers that came after with Torres and Werner and Falcao and e- Etto, who obviously did have his moments. but But, I mean, Looking at the Chelsea striker, the number nine, I- I'd expect more of him than uh, than Jackson. But if that turns out to be Jackson, obviously the expectations change a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think if he hits 20, I mean, you're hitting basically what costed did in his first season at Chelsea. Which is, <laughs> oh, yeah. which well, is, I, there's another one. There's know, another that's... power. Power that's the, that's the one we haven't replaced since he since he left so you know um yeah i think expect it's, it's about being realistic right and i think that um, i'd like to think that there isn't going to be this kind of high expectation because as you said there isn't there isn't a lot of evidence to go off you know it's 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 a very short burst of form that a lot of people are looking at um to kind of lean on for that data that a lot of people are sort of looking at and going okay there there is something there and i think as You've illustrated like there is there is talent and, and potential there for Chelsea to mould, but there also is, you know, I, I think there will probably be some games where he looks very, very out of place or really struggles and and has yeah. to adapt. And, and you just hope that he's given the time to to work through those growing pains.
0: Yeah, yeah. you also have to remember, because you mentioned someone there who was, who was very... I suppose, in a way, it's good to compare with because they came from the same league. I mean, Diego Costa, he was surefire when he came. He had played in the Champions League final. I mean, he'd won the La Liga with Atletico Madrid against all odds against Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. And and Nicholas Jackson is coming from, you know, three, thir- three quarters of a season where he was really good. He played in the Conference League, I think, to be a real word. Um, and he delivered a lot. He delivered, obviously, in the same league towards the tail end of the season. But with Costa, it was more you're buying someone who was very proven and who is, you know, destined for a big move anyways. Uh, whereas Nicholas Jackson is someone that you can mold into something. So if you think that, you know, Costa was moving two steps, you know, in the right direction. I think that if you can sort of hone in on whatever Jackson is, you could move two steps ahead, three steps ahead, four steps ahead, all depending but I think that I think he needs more time than than Diego Costa needed because Costa hit the ground running, obviously. so i I, I have high hopes for him. Um, and and based on the based on what we've seen and the potential there and obviously also what you hear from former coaches and everything along those lines, he seems like someone who's ready to knuckle down and he you won't be you know uh, intimidated by the bright lights and he doesn't seem to be someone who's he uh, has the fo- or has focus on, you know, the material stuff and all that. So I, I think I, I, I really do like the move, honestly. I, but I, I just think that for Chelsea fans, uh, patience is a virtue, especially for a Chelsea fan these days. And I completely understand and respect that. But uh, I think that virtue is to be afforded young Nicholas Jackson, at least for for, for one season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Younes, for coming on today. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, before we do wrap up, just give you a chance to, to shout out where people can find your work and, and the, the podcast about La Liga.
0: Yeah, well, if there's any Norwegian listeners there, uh, we are at La Liga Loca on, uh, on Twitter. Um, unfortunately, the whole podcast is in Norwegian, so if, uh, if you would like to listen in on our excellent views and points on La Liga, unfortunately, you have to learn a Norwegian language. Uh, for myself, I am Che Guevara on Twitter. That's C-H-E-G-I-A-E-V-A-R-A on Twitter. I do tweet in English. so uh, And I do deliver some extremely and fascinating points about life and football and everything in between, <laughs> at least at times, um, in and amongst a lot of uh, wrestling memes in relation to football these days. I-, I have no idea why I've started doing that, but I guess it's kind of fun anyways. I was... Um, Unfortunately, for Chelsea fans, I kinda may have made a wrestling meme tweet today in regards to Mason Mount, but i'll leave it at that
1: No, I have seen it, and trust me, there is nothing as a as a wrestling fan myself, there is nothing wrong with the use of wrestling memes they are they are, they are definitely worthy. Uh, with football content. Definitely suggest going and, and, go and give a follow because uh, definitely some good opinions there. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the View from the Bridge podcast. I'm pretty sure Scott and Bobby will be back later to break down the latest stuff from Pochettino starting preseason at Cobham, the latest transfer news, all of that good stuff. So thank you for listening. Please do give us a positive rate and review really does help out and we will see you again soon.